0: flags, Magic Mountain will bring back their haunted houses for Scream Break beginning March 18th. We'll talk about why it matters to you. That's coming up on today's show. Welcome to the show. I'm Philip. On the HAN Show, we bring the haunt industry to you every weekday. We have news, education, and on-location coverage from Halloween experiences around the world. Whether you're a professional or enthusiast, each episode helps you better prepare for Halloween. Outside of this podcast, we have videos, education, and even events. Links to everything we do are in the show notes. On Mondays, we break down large trends from the news and discuss why it matters to you in our weekly Green Tagged series co-hosted by Scott Swenson and myself. And check back tomorrow for our weekly haunt news roundup. Okay, here's this week's installment of Green Tagged The Park and 30. From our studios in Los Angeles and Abu Dhabi, this is Green Tagged, Theme Park in 30. I'm Philip, and I'm joined, as always, by my delightful co-host, Scott Swenson of Scott Swenson Creative Development. And, Scott, I am just over the moon excited for the top story this week, which is that Scream Break is coming to Six Flags Magic Mountain. (laughs) You are just giddy. You are simply beside yourself. I'm so giddy. I'm so giddy. So... It's also being tested out at Six Flags Over Texas, so it isn't just a Magic Mountain thing. But for the Magic Mountain event, it's 14 nights starting March 18th through April. And it's basically only Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And basically, it's a separately ticketed second gate after hours event. You get access to the park as early as 7.30, but the event itself is from 9 p.m. to midnight. And it includes two haunted houses and three scare zones, plus the rides and food and DJs and bada, blah 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 bada. Blah, blah, blah. Um, but that's the main crux of it, is that it's a three-hour after-hours event that has two haunted houses you can go through and the scare zones. And I... There's other stuff that they're doing, of course, you know, during the day or whatever, I don't know. But I'm excited <laughs> for this Scream Break event that is happening pretty soon, in less than a month, I... Gosh, I so, and to give a little bit of context. Uh, I got sent the press release and I kind of immediately <laughs> turned it into uh, like a, a news reel and put it out there on Instagram and Reddit and TikTok and blah, blah. And so on TikTok, it has kind of gone viral, it's at about 300,000 views. And so I kind of have a nice sampling right here of what people are thinking, because I have thousands of comments <laughs> that I have been trying to filter through. Right. Um, and I can tell you the crowd feedback overall has been extraordinarily positive, which is one of the things we're gonna talk about, because I think this is such an interesting, not only am I excited for it because of Halloween, but it's just a very interesting pivot that kind of came out of nowhere from Six Flags. and. Um, just again from my sampling size which is a lot you know having that that many people is actually almost enough for a study but most i think i've only received maybe two or three comments about how the event is never good anyway for halloween so this is just going to be worse (laughs) but most of the people are actually very excited for it and the biggest feedback i'm seeing so far in the comments is just confusion with the pricing because as you know fright fest is included normally in the annual pass holder. So actually Six Flags is one of the is is the only big major brand that doesn't charge extra for Halloween. You can just show up. They charge extra for the haunted houses if you want to enter them, but you can enjoy the scare zones for free and enjoy the entertainment. So this is markedly very different because in essence, they're, they're just second gating it. You know, Mm -hmm. you can't stay in, so you can't stay in. If you have an annual pass, you have to, you have to exit. And then it's a whole separate entry process. So that's causing a lot of confusion. And I feel like I have an auto reply saved, which is like, if you're asking about the ticket, you know, like just please check the description of the event in the video before commenting kind of a thing. and then, you know, the concern on the value, like it's only three hours, how long are the lines really going to be? How limited capacity, you know, are they going to, if you have to wait an hour for each ride, that's only three rides. You're like, how, how is that, how many people are going to let in? Um, and then kind of what was shocking to me was how many people that I can see in real time that are from out of state that are saying they might come to it because it is spring break, And they can just road trip. They can take a road trip from somewhere else and come in. And that they, a lot of people expressing willingness to come to the event from out of the area. And a lot of people expressing how they missed Halloween because there was other stuff to do, but there's nothing to do for spring break and they don't have plans and they enjoy haunts and they enjoy the scare actors and they would like to see them. And to me, that captures exactly why I like this event because of those things. It's a second gate. It's kind of... You know, we, we talked so, we talked about Six Flags so much about the angry teenagers and the crowds and blah, blah. Well, we talked about part of the reason there there's all that's happening is because it's so cheap to get an annual pass and then people just show up, you know, and just kind of hang out like a mall. Well, if it's a separately ticketed event, that could alleviate that. And it also could give them money to actually invest year after year and give them incentive for making the product better because it's not just a thing that's included, you know? And then... Also, starting it in March, there isn't any competition, you know? And here in SoCal, we have we have a big um, halfway to Halloween event that's in April, and then we have a summer Halloween event with a full scare maze that usually happens in the June, July, and then we have midsummer. So we have a precedent in this market for starting, for really starting scare mazes as early as April, but this is even earlier. And so... I, I don't know. It, I'm hard pressed to find anything wrong with this idea. The execution, I will hold my opinion until we see what it actually looks like. But the idea I am very excited for. So Scott, let me, what do you, what do you think? Are you, this Scott's candid reply? Because I told him not to look into anything before. Yeah.
1: I, so I, this is, the, this is, to be honest, I did not know about this. This is the first time hearing about it. And first, I just want to say that, you know, it is exciting to me because, you know, we've been saying all along that scary attractions, haunted attractions, fear is not something that should be limited to Halloween. Um, it's something that, you know, for since since the 1940s and 50s, horror films came out um, in, well, 50s predominantly, horror films came out over the summer uh, because that was when uh, you could go to drive-ins. That was when, you know, you could do date nights. Spring break makes total sense to me, um, especially if you're going to Target. A specific audience, and let me go so far as to say a 21 and up audience. Um, I realize that Spring Breakers are usually younger than that. However, however, um, Spring Break is notorious for let's go get uh, let's go get hammered, um, which is perfect for a haunted attraction. However, my concern being Six Flags and the fact that we have talked about a bunch of angry teens is that going to make the situation yeah. better or worse? I don't know. Time will tell. Uh, do I think it's a great idea? Yes, I absolutely think it's a great idea. Do I um, do I relish, from an operational standpoint, their um, confusion in pricing and ticketing? No, I do not, because it is incredibly difficult mm-hmm. to go from uh, an open-ended "come come whenever you want" pass holders. Uh, event to something that yep. is separate ticketed, it uh, it creates it it creates the illusion that you're taking something away from your guests as opposed to giving them something. Um, going back a thousand exactly. years when uh, when we went when we first started um, Christmas Town at Busch Gardens in Tampa, it's st- we we specifically said it has to start as a separate ticketed event and we can test whether that works or not. We can't go the other way. We can't go from it is included to making it a separate ticketed event. Now, this is a little different because this is a whole new event. This is a whole new monster, um, so to speak. And the, the fact that it's only three hours also helps justify the ticketing. Um, what, in my opinion, you know, when you talk about both ticketing and concern on value, if you can make this truly a boutique event within a major theme park, it can be a second gate that will be very viable but i'm hoping that six flags doesn't get greedy and uh, and try to get too many people in the door because then you know the value plummets um if you've got through because it is yep. such a, a, a limited time i mean three hours is not a long time i mean let's face it if you've ever been to, to halloween horror nights in orlando um you can spend three hours in one queue it's rare but you can yep. do it um so um, I, I think as long as they handle it intelligently, I think it's a great idea. As you say, execution, we'll wait and see. Um I also think it's it's yeah. interesting that, you know, the the flags or the flags parks that they're testing it at are both spring break destinations. So it makes total mm-hmm. sense when you talk about travel. It's so smart. Yeah, when you talk about yeah. travel and you say, you know, people are willing to travel, well, they were probably willing to travel to these locations anyway, and this is just the the extra little um, domino tip that they needed to kind of make it so that they, it's like oh okay well we'll go to we'll go to Texas this year for for spring break or um, you know we'll go out to California oh, yeah, it's yeah. It, it it makes a lot of sense is it, it we'll see how operationally it delivers you know there has been as you mentioned there has been discussion about you know how does Six Flags do Halloween and is it worth it and is it not worth it and blah 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 but um, I think based on the simple idea that the longer you wait in queue, the lower your expectations are for the experience itself. If they can keep that under control and make this truly a boutique controlled uh, capacity event, that may help them as well. It may also benefit their Halloween event. Um, so I, I see, I agree with you. I see all these wonderful things about it. I, I hesitate to be quite as giddy as you are about it, simply because uh, this is the first time out and execution is going to be tough. You know, I, I think that for the diehards, for the Halloween folk, they'll be like, oh, yeah, this is great. We get to have Halloween in the spring. I love it. Um, I think for certain a certain level of college kids, it'll be, oh, cool. We get to go and <clears throat> have the park to ourselves, which I think is the preconceived notion. Um, we'll see how that works. Uh, and the only thing I was wondering, and I didn't see it, I just sort of scanned the, the article that you sent as we started talking about it. Um, the one thing I didn't see was, what is the pricing? Is it co- what, How does it compare to the day rate?
0: Yeah, it's about $40 for the event. So it's, um, you know, I, I think, it, God, even that is complicated, right? Because, you know, the, the day rating, the day rates, for the park itself are higher than that. Right. But if you get one of the, they have so many sales, you know, on, it's like, so you can get a 2023 pass for $90. Right. And that's, you could probably get it cheaper than that if you get it on sale or if you do the flex plan or whatever. So, um, and, and just also to note, um, I've only heard 40 because people have been Team members have been commenting in my videos because it's so popular right now. Right. It's like one of the trending things on TikTok. So I have had that told by, to me by multiple people, but I, it wasn't in the press release. So just that little asterisk there, they might end up adjusting it down or maybe doing like a, a discount on it for pass holders or you know, it might come down lower than that. But it's about less than half if you're, listen, less, you know, less than half the price if you're gonna buy it for, uh, if you're gonna just go on a single a day. But, um, if you look, but I think it's a little high if you think about the context of like, oh, I could get I could potentially get a whole year <laughs> for, you know ninety, eighty, ninety dollars or less on sale, and then forty to come in for three hours is is a premium. but but then again, you know, just just like we've we've said this entire time, it all comes down to the execution. right. you know if if they really do limit it, it is boutique and they do properly staff it right, then it would be worth it to be able to do the, like, especially the coaster geeks, if they could do a 10 minute line for those coasters and they could get two or three of their coasters done and haunted houses, I would challenge you, if, if they could pull that off, I think everybody would be happy. I don't think anybody would go and have a, you know, like a bad time at the event, but it's all exactly what your point is. It's gonna come down to, you know, it, I'm sure it's gonna start off selling well, just based off of the feedback I've seen. So, you know, are they prepared to kind of, you know, like to, to stop the sales or to kind of, to, to do that, to, to keep it a good event. I I, I think the other, the other good thing about it, in my opinion, is that it is 14 nights. It's 14 show nights total, which is actually, I was thinking about that's more than most of the professional, that's more than most independent haunted houses,
1: their whole October run. 14 nights is a lot. It is in California. In Texas, it's only eight. I just opened the uh, I just opened the website um, for Texas, for Texas yeah. and and just because I was going to look and see what the single day admission, single day admission in Texas is thirty nine ninety nine. But you can also get an all access screen pass for one hundred and fifty nine ninety nine plus tax, and that says experience uh, screen break all eight nights, uh, exclusive ride time from nine to from nine to midnight, two terrifying haunted houses, eerie spine chilling scare zone. <laughs> they only have one in Texas. Um, <laughs> the uh, the Six Flags Collectible Lanyard, Screen Break, Lanyard Event Card, and uh, Flash Pass on exclusive rides from 7 p.m. to close. So you're also getting uh, a little bit of extra time in there. I think they're looking at the value and they're trying to expand out the, uh, the the longer queues on rides because they figure, well, if we can get the rides in between 7 and close of the park... Um, yep then they can turn their focus to the, the, the hot elements.
0: Yep. Yeah. I even like that. Like I even like that they are kind of ch- adapting it right for the individual parks and the markets a little bit. Um, in California, you can also get in early at seven 30, but like the haunts don't open till nine. Right. Um, but you know, the, 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 the same thing, but, but yeah, I, I am, <laughs> I kept saying, I'm pretty optimistic for this overall. And I think that the pricing in Texas is, is much more competitive. Yeah. They haven't officially announced, uh, put, put the tickets on sale for California yet. So I, I, <laughs> I uh, but <laughs> it's just, got to laugh cause it's kind of like classic six flags where we're like, ah, oh, this is such a, whoever thought of this idea is brilliant, but then can the parks execute on it? And then also the little things like, why did they send out the press release so late? Well, that's right? that was gonna the be event, my next question.
1: That was gonna be my next question. I mean, uh, actually Texas opens first. Um, Texas opens in early earlier in March and California opens the 18th. So it's like why is this just hitting now? Yeah.
0: and also and and you you got your your big push for sending out your press releases, but we can't buy tickets. So what are you doing with all that media attention? Right. Right, you know what I mean? Like, it's like, you can't capture it because people can't buy tickets. Again, you can
1: buy tickets for, you can buy tickets for Texas. Buy tickets for Texas. Right. So, and the the other question I have, and you will know this better than I do because you are far more up to speed. Are they reutilizing their assets for Halloween or are these separate assets? So I
0: actually do not know the answer to that at all. And it's because I didn't even go Right. Despite the fact that, I don't know, listeners will not know this, but I actually do live maybe 10 minutes away from Six Flags Action Mountain and my office at Gantam is down the road and I didn't even go to Halloween this year. So, yeah. (laughs) and and yet here I am being like, oh, let's go in March, you know, um, because there's no competition. But so I actually, I have no idea because I don't know their asset composition like I do in, in, for the other parks, but... I can't imagine, just like we always say, I can't imagine they are building something for this. This must be the two mazes that they have in semi-permanent locations, right? It must be like, you know, cause we know they don't have, you know, we know that Six Flags doesn't have the space to keep all of them up year round. Right. And so to me, this is like, we're opening two because these are the two that we have in building.
1: Right, no, <laughs> I, think, so we just, I yeah. think you're right. Cause Texas has announced them and announced them by name. Um, and they, the names sound familiar to me. Uh, I have not been to Six Flags uh, Fiesta. I've not been to Fiesta for um, for Halloween either. Uh, but they sound familiar to me. The other thing they're leaning heavily into in their marketing, it appears, is Coasters After Dark, which, yeah. um, you know, in certain, yeah. certain environments is, is super cool. So, yeah, well, I, this is something we should really keep an eye on because I, I love the idea um, I love the idea that, uh, you know, they're, they're sort of looking at a, a second gate model for something other than Halloween and Christmas, um, certainly testing it. I, I think that, uh, to your point, it's a perfect time to test it because there is no competition and we'll test to see if scary works outside of Halloween.
0: Well, the thing I was going to also ask you is, do you think that they are using this as a way to test out moving their regular Halloween offering into a second gate. Like, is this is this like a good idea, but also masking as a way to train the audience into like, oh, you know, because if, honestly we know Six Flags have been struggling for all the reasons we've talked about for so long, but really this is a good solution. If they could take the regular Fright Fest and make it into a second gate, that would help alleviate some of the violence. It would bring them more revenue to have a better team. And I mean, because, you know, I mean, we all know the reasons it's so hard. Because if you're not going to charge for the Halloween event, I mean, you've been on these teams, Scott. You've, of anyone, you should know like their situation. So I'm, that's why I'm asking you do you think this is them? testing the waters to see if they could move
1: it into a second gate i i think that is exactly what they're doing in theory um i i'm curious to see how it plays out in practice because once again this is a again it depends on what they want to do with it if they keep this as the boutique model and um they don't get too much pushback yeah they'll probably go to a separate gate separate gate mission for uh for the regular halloween event um But I'm thinking they'll have even more pushback then. You know, it's one thing to say we're going to do, we're going to make a second gate for a, you know, short period, short event, boutique style, just spring break event. And another thing to say we're going to change the business model for everything. Um, I don't know. I'm sure this is, yes, I'm sure you're right, Philip. I'm sure that they are trying to test this and go, how will this work? But then I'm curious to see how they take that information and and utilize it appropriately
0: yeah yeah because again back to the investment thing it's kind of like yeah god it's so dependent on execution right because just like you say with in the events you do it's like if you the boot it's not a real test unless you are, you know, investing in the quality of product and the quality of entertainment and all that. And like, are they really going to do that? Or are they just going to open up open the doors and then try and get, you know, some like actors to come. I mean, yeah, the execution will will determine whether or not the test is successful because that in it's of its own. Well,
1: and I I will say it's quite possible that this is also in reaction to some uh, rumblings and concepts that have been bandied about amongst the entertainment industry, certainly in the States, when it comes to Halloween. And that is, could we do a Halloween event that is strictly for adults, that is 18 and up? Um, they're not really okay. saying that here, but even their logo looks kind of like a skull cocktail and, um, it mm-hmm. is a separate ticket price. So it's not just anybody can come and enjoy it. It's, you have to yeah. pony up some extra cash. Um, I think that in addition to testing, whether they can make it, make Halloween, make their, their regular Halloween event, uh, a second gate, I think they're also testing to see if they can elevate the age a little bit. Um, so that they don't have yep. the 13, 14, 15 year old um, crazy kids running around r- raising havoc. I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah.
0: The other, I agree with all that. And, and we'll just have to wait. And hopefully, I will get to out to see the event um, in person. And, and I will not. It, but I won't. It's too far away. Sorry, definitely. Not. <laughs> the other thing I want to underline here. Regardless of their execution, I think our listeners can take from this the idea that it's just like we we talk about a lot where do we have the assets and can you utilize them in a different way? And how do you do that? And also kind of testing out these types of events. And I've seen it in, in the haunted house space, but we've also just talked about it with Universal, you know, and their year-round cocktail horror experience announcement in Vegas, right? Like, I think that's the takeaway for the listeners. It's it's not like, I want to, again, underline, like, this isn't like, this isn't just, oh, we're looking at Six Flags and, and how lucky are they? This, you know, so many attractions that we all know and work with have assets. Maybe they're not haunt assets, but they're other assets and there's other opportunities for you, you know, what do you have in storage that you can recycle and and I'm, I'm thinking now of uh, of Alan Hops and, and their haunt, where they're doing they did a Friday, Friday the Thirteenth kind of more immersive, immer, immersive immersive slasher event, and they're doing St. Patrick's Day, and you know the the Universal one. I mean, those are all horror examples, but there's plenty of other holidays and other opportunities for the assets that you have that can be re- reutilized, even back to Universal's you know, kind of recycling their old showpieces and using them in their tribute store to make their shopping experience more interesting. And, and it's like who, it's like, if you flash back a few years, you know, who would have predicted that something like a tribute store would get so much attention from vloggers? and all it is, is them recycling. (laughs) It's like, just make the merch look better. Right. I mean, that's, to me, that's the big takeaway is like, this is a big brand putting a big Step forward here, and that means that there's opportunity for uh, for everybody else.
1: Yeah, and I and I think you know even on its simplest, most base level, I think we're seeing the trend between Universal now with Six Flags that fear sells, uh, being scary. Right now, we are in the world of we can make this we can make this profitable, especially if we have the assets that we're using at other times of the year. So again, I think these yeah. are all things that we need to track and make sure that. Uh, they they do indeed work the way we think they will from a, a theory standpoint, um, and I I just can't I can't reinforce it enough. We are we are in the world now where quality is your best advertising. So if if this opens and it is not up to the quality um, that guests expect from a forty dollar ticket for three hours, um, which I don't think is that horrible. I mean, it's it's I don't either. It's no. you know, it's like a movie, you know. <laughs>
0: The Disney ones are, I think, you know, Disney's doing their after dark thing. I think it's what, like the same price as regular admission, so right. it's like 150 right. and it's like four hours. So I'm just, but but I, I, I wanna really add to the underscore your point there. Um, the quality, I think is something you really have to look at when you, you are when you're looking at these things. And the recent example I will share is um, we went out and did a, a video. We created content for the darkness Um, without any actors or anything, it basically just turned on the lights and, you know, we were able to create content in that environment because the, the, the quality is so good, right? The, the asset is so good that just turning on the lights, you know, it's a, it's a good experience even in the off season. Um, but there are other attractions that we've talked to or that we've looked at doing content with in the off season and they don't want to because they know that their, their stuff isn't to quality. And that to me, that's a red flag, Mm -hmm. you know, if, if. (laughs) <laughs> if, if you're like, no, we don't want to open the doors to our stuff. We don't want people to see our stuff because, you know, we're, we're a little bit worried about the, you know, the YouTube haters. I'm like, oh, you shouldn't be, that shouldn't be a problem. Right. You know what I mean? Like that's, that's a red flag that you need to invest more in the quality of your show. So just putting that out there. But anyway, okay. Um, moving on, we have two, a few quick hits. I want to just get through really quick here. Um, first is just that Tokyo Disney is raising their wages. Uh, we talked about... R- Wages in the last episode and they, Oriental Land, which operates Tokyo Disneyland and Disney Sea theme parks, has said that it will increase hourly wages by 80 yen across all boards in April. Again, that fluctuates. Basically, that's about a dollar. So it's not a huge amount. But again, this was part of a larger story for wage increases kind of across the board and we will see if it ends up being more or less than that but i just wanted to again highlight that it isn't just a u.s problem this is overall a problem when it comes to the staffing and, the, and it's like it's a group problem this isn't like um you know that the u.s parks are having troubles because of the u.s unions it's a it's a global
1: problem yes absolutely yeah. and and more so because um uh, and it's not uh, we keep we keep talking about these stories about people raising about companies raising wages, and that is not why people at least in this part of the world it is not why people are refusing contracts. They are refusing contracts because of other things. They are refusing contracts because of length of contract. They are refusing contracts because of uh, housing allowances. They are refusing contracts. So it, it, it's something that we have to keep in mind. Um, that it is it is a holistic problem not just a dollars and cents problem yes living wage is important yes is it it is important and very easy to communicate that we pay more than the other guy does but um mm-hmm. it is not the only factor and it is certainly not the only factor post covid so I, I just i don't want to get us locked into it's just about the hourly wage because it is not and i think we're seeing that with you know we've reported on on Hershan's expansions and how they continue to to value their their um, their personnel and continue to reward them in other ways uh so I, i i think i think it is important it shows that yes um oriental land is is looking at the issue but i don't want anybody to think that the takeaway is well we just have to raise all of our of our pay scales yeah probably a good start but it's not the only way you can do it and look at other options to bring people in because like like philip said staffing is a problem across the world
0: yeah our next quick hit is that uh rogers the musical is coming to the disney hyperion here and the backstory i'm going to read this from uh attractions magazine uh, the backstory in the The backstory in the Disney Plus series is that in 2024, Roger's Musical was produced at the Lundfontein Theater in New York City, although all the Avengers were invited in the premiere, only Hawkeye showed up. A one act version of the fictional show about the first Captain America is scheduled for a limited run this summer. However, with the expansion of the Avengers campus, there's hope it could stick around even longer. So I just, again, this is something that has kind of fallen below the radar, but I think from a a content strategy thing. This is very smart. (laughs) This is basically like, oh, there was this musical that was created in our Disney Plus series that has its own, you know, backstory type. We just did it kind of fun for this series. But what if we could pull that into reality and put it in a Disney theme park? And I think this is... A great example of of the thing that we've been hearing about but not seen for years, where they're like, we're gonna reinforce IP between Disney Plus and the parks and make it this big experience. I'm like, we haven't we haven't seen too much of that. I think this is a great example. And um even if it's a limited run, I'm okay with that because I think again, back in the testing, testing ideas. If we're thinking about that it's like a theme for today's show i think this is a great idea test could we pull something that we just made that show
1: writers just made up for an episode and put it uh, here
0: in real life
1: well and it's something that disney has done throughout their history um, is to take the same basic content and release versions Mm -hmm. of it in in different in different areas i mean you know i know nowadays people think about it think of it as just sort of common practice for disney to have a broadway musical version of one of their last hit animated shows but that was revolutionary with with Lion King I mean it was like oh my gosh you're doing you're gonna do what you're gonna take an animated movie and you're gonna make a, a musical about it oh that will never work well that was wrong um, so basically as you say it's a it's multi-level it's taking the same basic intellectual property and finding different ways to reach different audiences and continue to generate revenue from and and build and reinforce the the power of the IP so yeah it makes total sense to me
0: All right. Well, ah, you know we have so many other stories to get to, but I think we're that's it for this week for our 30 minutes. We'll just have to wait till next week to get to. I know we these, do have a lot of we do have a lot of stuff. We do have a lot of stuff here. I know you were... so much that is in, in in the pile of things. Ah, dang it. Yeah. That's okay.
1: We'll we'll so, we'll get to it. So, so basically, so basically, just to recap, just a, a tiny bit. Um, Philip is really giddy that there's another Halloween thing happening in California in spring break. So we got that part. Um, and and I think you're right. I think it's it's a perfect time now, um, especially as we go into the shoulder season, uh, or the new shoulder season, going into going into summer. Because the shoulder seasons keep moving. Um, but now is a good time to to test stuff. See what you can see what you can try. Um, I think when we very first started this show a gazillion, what seems to be a gazillion months ago, um, when we first started doing this show, we said we are entering into uh, the, the COVID Wild West where nothing is what we thought it was. And I think we are now seeing things like the the uh, the screen break and things like um, Rogers the Musical. We're seeing people start to really dive back in and experiment with new ideas and find new ways to keep their intellectual property alive and to generate revenue. Uh, I think we're also discovering, you know, what the new workforce looks like. So find new and different ways, whether it is expanding your or increasing your your pay rate, or whether it is finding new and different ways to show your employees and your team members that you truly value what they do and make them want to work for your company. So I I think we're, we're kind of, I won't say coming out of the Wild West, but I think we're starting to, embrace the fact that we're never going to go back to the way we used to be we are finding new ways to move forward and expand on what we are going to become as an attractions industry and i think that was kind of the point of today's of today's show um, but as philip said we are out of time so on behalf of philip and myself scott swenson uh, thank you so much for for watching and listening to green tag theme park in 30 and we will see you next week
0: Today's episode was produced and edited by me, Philip Hernandez, with post-production by David Swope. Support for this episode comes from Gantam Lighting and Controls. See what you're missing with a free demo. Sign up at gantam.com demo. We release a free weekly industry newsletter. Sign up on our website or at the link in our show notes. The Haunted Attraction Network team includes Daryl Plunkey, Emily Luis Rua, Megan Spells, Gavin Burns, and Maximus Bryant.